0: Welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Driver Podcast. My name is James Rea. I'm an automotive columnist for Bay Area News Group, and I edit and publish the website, theweeklydriver.com. My friend and colleague, as always, is Bruce Aldrich. And today we have on Carl Brower, who is the automotive industry veteran, and he is the executive analyst for iccars.com, one of our favorite sites. We know Julie your colleague quite well. I think she's been a guest four or five times. And a little background here. Uh, Carl was the executive publisher for Auto Trader and Kelly Blue Book and the senior director of industry insights at Kelly Blue Book as well. Chief executive officer of Total Car Score and the editor-in-chief of Edmunds.com. That's quite a background. So Carl, welcome. We know that you have a lot to talk about. We love all the, the analytical work that's done at IC Cars. So welcome to our podcast.
1: Hey, great being on with you guys. Thanks for having
0: me. Sure. Looking at the latest uh, survey that you guys have, um, it comes as no surprise, but could you take us through, and just in general terms, um, the mass popularity of the Ford F-150 pickup truck? It's the m- most valuable, uh, most popular used car in the United States, and it's the most popular new car in the United States. What's, what's up with the Ford F-150? Why is it just dominated for all these years?
1: You know, I think Ford really recognized the potential of trucks and their functionality under a wide range of circumstances, probably the first. I mean, they're one of the first car companies, as we know, one of the first successful mass production car companies. And uh, I think Henry Ford was the first to figure out that the Model T could be reconfigured uh, without too much trouble into an open bed vehicle and carry a lot more stuff. So this is about a You know, 100 plus years ago when all this was going on. So he saw the potential of open bed vehicles probably as soon or sooner than anyone else did. And I think Ford was committed to the truck buyer and the truck market very early. And the F-150, the current one, but really going back the four plus decades that it's now been the best selling vehicle in this country for over 40 years, uh, you look at its flexibility, not just in what it's capable of doing, but in the configurations that Ford offers—the beds, the bed lengths, and the uh, cab configurations, and the drivetrain options. Uh, it's been one of the most widely uh, adaptable vehicles, probably in the history of the automobile, in terms of all the different ways you can configure one for all the different uses you might need a truck to do. And, uh, you know, Chevrolet and Ram and some of the other players out there have certainly figured this out, too, and they're doing a lot of the same stuff. But I think Ford was probably there first in realizing all that potential.
2: Carl, you mentioned configurations, and one of those, a major configuration is two-wheel drive or four-wheel drive. Do you, have you done any uh, studies on what they're buying? Are they mostly twos or four-wheel drives, or do you know?
1: You know, I know it's changed over the years. I, we, you know, that's you're actually suggesting a good future study is to start looking into how the evolution of and it's funny you're saying that because we were talking about some of the other elements of truck too because like sizes, you know, trucks have just gotten larger and larger. So there's some things we're going to look at related to the to different elements of the truck specific evolution over the last two plus decades. But we know that that um, crew cabs are far more popular now than they were 20 years ago. We know that. Uh, Four-wheel drive is more popular than it was 20 years ago. I think what what this all reflects is an increasing sophistication by the consumer in general and the truck buyer in particular at realizing not just that they can get a truck, but they can get these types of trucks or these features on trucks that are highly beneficial, that really serve them in certain circumstances, whether it's carrying extra people in comfort like a crew cab or dealing with uh, either off-road or or foul weather uh, driving conditions with uh, four-wheel drive
2: sure uh, one thing they haven't figured out is gas mileage they've made incremental <laughs> g- gains but uh, you know come on <laughs> it's not a mileage breaker there do you know do you think you know the well, price of gas went up 60 cents here in the last two months at least in California
1: yeah it's it's pretty painful on the on the on the gas price situation that we've definitely seen in recent weeks and months as you've said um, but once again you know you look at what all the the major automakers are doing really a lot across much of their line, but the truck brands specifically have really focused on, which is reducing weight and making smaller, more efficient engines. Uh, and again, Ford was the first one to really turn a six-cylinder into a mainstream uh, drivetrain for vehicle for trucks in recent recent uh, 15 years when they started to come out with the, the smaller engines and then, of course, the EcoBoost. EcoBoost that's that's giving them the kind of power that they need, but also a fuel efficiency benefit. And now that's their volume seller. They're, they they sell far more six cylinder trucks than they do eight cylinder trucks, which I don't think most truck buyers would have believed even 10 years ago. So uh, they're trying, <laughs> as you say, to not just keep the trucks capable and powerful, but to acknowledge the uh, often turbulent gas prices that we all face.
0: I'm looking at the chart that you guys provide, and and by the way, congratulations to, to you guys. This what you guys go through and put through, you know, millions of cars, and it's just incredible. Every what every maybe once a month or every twice a month, you have some new statistic and new way of looking at things, and it's it's always great. So I'm looking at this chart here in front of me that, um, uh, three of the top five are pickup trucks, and the other two are uh, SUVs, both in the use lineup and the new car lineup and is that also a trend that it seems to me that now pickup trucks have become family vehicles it was a work vehicle you're you have a ranch you have um, a lumber mill whatever that's the old standard but now is it true that pickup trucks are now family vehicles i think what
1: happened was people I think that we kind of saw the SUV craze first really in the early 2000s. We saw everyone jumping on the SUV craze. They started to realize, I mean, the Explorer had been around for years, the Grand Cherokee, some of the Subarus, they were already there, but then it went mainstream and everybody realized all the additional flexibility they got. Plus a lot of people liked the higher ride height and the better visibility they got from an SUV. So then those became highly popular in the early 2000s and throughout the 2000s. And then people realized, well, wait a sec, if I get an open bed vehicle, I can get a lot of the SUV traits if I get a crew cab, but I can remain retain a lot of the truck things I need for hauling things that I wouldn't want to put in a inside like dirt or, you know, various other things, bags of cement, all that you may not want to put in an SUV in the open bed. So I almost SUV craze was part of a bridge to the tr, the crew cab truck craze that has now led to the truck being so popular as you saw in those uh list that you just quoted. I think sure. everyone's realized the, the flexibility they get from both SUVs, but also trucks now.
2: Yes. I was looking at your chart for, um, popular large cities and basically it's a Ford 150, uh, sales ad. And, uh, <laughs> you throw in a couple of Honda Civics here and there. Uh, I think Fresno in California, that was a, what was that a Corolla or a Something Camry, like a Camry. Camry. Uh-huh. And those are the aberrations. Can you account for yeah. why there's a couple of Civics thrown in there and a other small, you know, you know you suv look, or truck?
1: Yeah, you look at like, like Los Angeles, you know, it's got the Civic as the most uh, popular one. But as you're saying, the overwhelming majority of them represent why the F-150 sells so well, because it's the most popular car in most of these metro areas, too, or mo- most popular vehicle. Um, but you have civics in uh, Ohio, in Cincinnati, and in Los Angeles, you have the Camry in Fresno. I think you know in certain urban areas, even with all the flexibility you get with a truck, it gets back to what you were saying earlier, the fuel efficiency, the parking, you know challenges that that it's not worth it for certain people in certain cities. But yeah, even in cities where you wouldn't think a truck should be as valuable or helpful or useful as uh, more rural areas, the F-150 is still the most popular in most cities.
2: I wonder if it's because they buy an extra car. They can buy the, uh, the, the, you know, the commuter car.
1: I think it's a great point. And I do think if you've got a multi-vehicle household, suddenly the truck as one of the vehicles becomes much more popular, even in the city, because you can still drive a, normal sized car when you got to commute every day, but you got your truck for telling things on the weekend or, sure. or yeah. going out and having fun.
0: Yeah. Carl, I've asked Julie, we've asked Julie this question before. And with um, iccars.com, dot when you do a survey like this and you announce these results of the studies that you've done, um, do you get comments from the industry? Do you get comments from the public what what do you see? And this is with all due respect. What do you see as the purpose and the end result of of announcing your findings?
1: So it's a great question, and I think there's multiple kind of audiences that we're trying to help with these. We we are trying to help consumers. Like when we do an, a study about the most the longest lasting cars, which is a very popular one that we'll do once a year, yes. and we basically look at all the car cars that have hit two hundred thousand plus miles. And when you see that list, as a shopper, especially a used car shopper, you might see something like a a Land Cruiser or a Tacoma or a Suburban on that list and be like, wow, I just saw a used Suburban for uh, what seemed like an affordable price to me, but it already had 85,000 miles on it or 105,000 miles on it. And I was like, "Ah, that's a lot of miles. Now, because of this list, I realized from IC Cars, that car still has about only half of its life used up. It's got, it's got another, another 100,000 miles to go, give or take. Uh, so I think there's, there's the consumer angle. Then I think it's helpful for media outlets because a lot of times the media outlets are looking for that same kind of consumer guidance and help. So they'll, they'll pick up these stories and, and try to offer that same wisdom so that consumers don't have to just come to our site to know it, but can see it through mainstream uh, media outlets or podcasts or other elements. But what's really rewarding is when you do have industry comments, for instance... Uh, I remember on my Facebook feed where I'm friends with Mark Royce, who's fairly senior, as you guys probably both know, over at General Motors, and he had noted that uh, last summer when we did our fastest selling cars uh, list that talks about which cars spend the least amount of time on the dealer lot before they're off again being sold. And the Chevy Trailblazer, which had just hit the market, was the number one car that particular month. And he called that out in his Facebook feed which uh, wasn't even like an industry you know, publication. It was just his private feed for people who are friends with him. But as someone who uh, is related to IC cars, it was very rewarding to see Mark Royce, a very senior person at GM, uh, acknowledging uh, one of the studies we've done. That's,
2: that's great. A, that's a good pat on the back for sure. Yeah. Could you explain to, <laughs> explain to us, uh, our audience, how you, uh, how you glean the data and how many data points are you checking?
1: So, you know, there are a lot of transactions for used vehicles uh, and new vehicles every year. Uh, But a lot of people don't realize that, you know, if we sell 15 to 17 million new cars a year, which has been the range for the last uh, like 10 plus years, um, there's usually three times that amount of used vehicles. So there's on the order of 50 million used vehicle transactions. You have that many vehicles transacting every year. Yeah, that's a lot. When there's that much going on in that market. And we've got a, a lens in on that because of the feeds we get from uh, all the vehicle transactions going on because of our business model. And, and remember, IC Cars is a listing site, first and foremost. So sure, if you're yeah. looking for a used car, but it, you can go there and you can find all the cars that, that are local to you, or you can expand your search and you can filter on different features of a car. So if you're looking for a new or used car, all those listings are there. But we realized, and I think IC Cars gets, gets a lot of credit for this because a lot of other sites have access to some or all of the data we've got access to, they're just not crunching the numbers like we are. All we're doing is taking data that's out there and turning it into useful pieces of guidance for consumers and and media outlets that want to use it. Uh, But that's really where it comes from. It's just a lot of transactions that we're able to see and and keep those data points uh, on record and then go back and start slicing the data in ways that helps us realize things. Longest lasting cars, most popular cars, fastest selling cars, uh, best fuel efficiency cars, all those things.
0: Have you guys ever, I mean, this is just using the vernacular, have you guys ever been called out by somebody said, let's just take Ford because we know it's popular, but you guys have said something based on data and somebody will say, no, 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 that's not right. We, we, we believe we're this, this, and this. Have you ever had any um, professional uh, differences of opinion that way?
1: Or challenges to our yeah, data yeah, yeah, uh, thank you It's a great question <laughs> <laughs> um, i don't I don't think i've uh, I'm not aware of that happening. I think part of data is you know a big part of data is is a having access to it, and then b coming up with ways to cut it or slice it that makes it tell an interesting story, and c, most importantly, validating or verifying that what you're doing is representative that yes. you're not telling a story that that isn't representative of what the data says. And I feel like there's a lot of due diligence that I see cars on all three of those points. So uh, the result is that I have no recollection or knowledge of ever having anyone challenge us on the data elements. We say, What what? and it's funny you bring this up because the other things we get, like you talked about how popular the F-150 is on this uh, you know, most popular list. Yes. We've had the longest lasting list and they'll have like a lot of Toyotas mm-hmm. on it, for instance. And people we've had people say, "So Toyota sponsors this, huh?" <laughs> it's like, no, yeah. they do not. <laughs> this this is just data. We're literally just looking at the data and representing it as the data speaks to us. We are not uh, influencing it or twisting it or modifying it in any way. We're just taking the data and telling the story that it tells.
0: If for, forgive me for saying it that way, but it's not a site for alternative facts, as the buzz term was a while back. It's facts. <laughs> it's, um, <laughs> Precisely. I was going to Precisely interject right. here, um, just for the listeners, we've, we've, we've featured IC Cars many times, but I'm just going to read a little introduction to it. Might as well. It's um, uh, IC Cars is an automotive research firm and data-driven car search engine that helps shoppers find the right car at the right price. It also develops and shares powerful studies and market analyses that have been featured in over 2,000 media outlets. So then you guys say uh, iccars.com has saved users over 240 million $249 million uh, so far by applying big data analytics powered by over $225 billion and growing data points. That's just impressive, impressive numbers that you guys are able to do that. And But I, I would think um, that uh, unlike some of the other places where you've um, worked, that IC Cars, um, maybe this is unfair, but I think it, it's probably fair that ICcars.com is still probably a little bit unheralded in in what you guys do. Do you think that that's true? Um, You don't see it uh, prominently displayed as much as it should be because it's a a fantastic site.
1: I agree 100% with that. And some of my most rewarding experiences in my professional life have been building up brands or calling out brands and calling attention to brands that are Underrepresented in exactly the way you just said. Yes. Uh, you know, when when I got when I got to Edmonds in '98, there were 33 people working there. You know, and now it's a it's a fairly prominent site with with hundreds of people working there. But I would my say most, so. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and my most rewarding experience there was taking it from the Edmonds what you work where in '98, '99, 2000 to you know being on mainstream news channels constantly and having a, a lot of traffic coming to the site and a lot of consumers appreciating the site by the mid 2000s. And IC Cars is another site that's in that position now where they are doing things that no one else is doing. They are being very innovative. And if you once find IC Cars, I think you become an instant fan. It's just getting the awareness out. And I love that awareness challenge behind a great brand because there's there's just no downside. It's just great, all great to answer. tell people about this brand. Yeah. All, all I gotta do is make people aware of this. Once the awareness is there, the the fandom and the uh, and the popularity will follow.
2: I like the, uh, j- you can just get on the website and get all this information for free. You don't need to download an app or anything if you don't want to, which is nice. Yep. Um, you have a bunch of, a variety of uh, different surveys, as you mentioned. One that caught my eye was the electric cars and what's the most elec- uh, popular electric car by state. And uh, w- what kind of trends do you see there with the electric cars? I, I guess there are more and more sales all the time. Uh What's good, what's bad? What do you see on the horizon?
1: You know, I think electric cars, the challenge for electric cars is convincing uh, consumers that they're ready for prime time. I think we've had, you know, a lot of kind of false starts or semi-starts with electric vehicles going all the way back to the GM EV1 that you guys may remember from, uh, you know, about 25 years ago. And, you know, that car was interesting and, and innovative, but it certainly was You know, by any normal sense of uh, automotive standards, a lot of compromises in range and in cost and those kind of things. Um, And we've continued to chip away at that in the electric car world to where the cars are starting to cost about what a a non EV costs and they're getting about the range what a non EV costs. And we're now even getting the battery technology to where you can, you know, charge, if not the whole battery up, you can charge 80% of the battery up from zero to 80% in somewhere between 10 and 20 minutes. So, the challenge with it, with EVs is just kind of not just making the the technology ready for prime time, but making sure consumers realize it's becoming ready for prime time. Uh, but we are seeing that slowly and surely happen. We're seeing certainly plenty of support at like the government level, and certain markets. You know, Europe are being very aggressive. China's being very aggressive. Uh, the U.S. is increasingly aggressive on supporting this awareness campaign and and also the financial side on the incentives to buy these cars. So we're, we're getting there with EVs and we're seeing it in the sales.
2: I I see the most popular EV in most of the States, even California, it's the Nissan Leaf, which is surprising to me. I thought Tesla would have majority of them.
1: That's over the course of like, yeah, the history of like these used car sales and the, the leaf was around very early and produced in high volume. So that really, you know, now, now you see there's such kind of a backlog of Leafs that have been sold over the last uh, 10 plus years that they've really got the advantage. But Tesla is rapidly gaining on, uh, on uh, Nissan and its Leaf. And so, are you know, now you've got Mustang Mach-E's out and you've got Kona, Hyundai Kona EVs and a lot of other very compelling EVs that didn't exist even two years ago. That now exists. So it's going to start to become a very interesting battle
0: between the EVs, EV makers. We were talking a lot about the Ford F-150 and the segment uh, in the EV world is trucks, of course, and whether it's uh, Musk and his Cybertruck, the, the futuristic looking, whatever that is, and, and some of the other ones, Bollinger and Rivian, uh, and some that have go- are gone now before they've even come out. So... Um, I think the EV truck world is uh, pretty interesting, and in, in the, the battle, if you will, to see who's going to to uh, get the the leading edge on on that world. I think the Rivian uh, I'm got a um, affection for it. Have never we saw one at the LA Auto Show, but I have never driven one. But I think that that car just looks fantastic too. Whether it's the EV or the or the pickup truck with something like a 400 mile range, and it's super quick apparently. Any any thoughts in, on the EV truck segment?
1: Well, I would agree pretty much with everything you just said, James. I think that's kind of the next frontier for EVs is to transition from these kind of mostly smaller economy-oriented cars, with Tesla being the obvious example, to now they're becoming more mainstream kind of mid-sized vehicles and even some SUVs like the Audi eTron and the Jaguar I-Pace. And the next thing that we're going to start to see is these large truck EV vehicles and in that group that are kind of right on this cusp that we're talking about before they're going to start hitting showrooms in the next you know six to twelve months is Rivian I think as I would say if someone were saying you know where's your where's your money? Who's who where are you putting your money on this horse race that's starting with EV trucks I would probably personally put it on Rivian their their pedigree, their background, their their existing partners now with people like Ford and Amazon. Uh, they seem very well positioned. And uh, it will be very interesting to see how Tesla kind of responds. As I've always said about Tesla, they were kind of the only game in town. You know, you either got a small kind of economy oriented EV like a Leaf, or you got a much more expensive, but much more premium, sporty looking, sporty performing, longer range EV like Tesla, but you had to pay more money for it. And those were your only options for most of the last 10 years. And, And now... There's a lot of new vehicles entering, and Tesla's Cybertruck will not enter a a world where there really isn't another similar vehicle. It'll enter a world where there are other options. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out.
2: Yes, it's going to be. It'll be interesting to see what major manufacturer uh, truck comes out first. Yes. I know Ford's made some announcements. I forget, 2023 maybe? We'll see what happens.
1: Uh, I think it's closer. Closer? Okay. The Fully electric F-150, I think, will also be out in the next, give or take, 12 months. And then, of course, we've got General Motors with the new Hummer brand, which will right. have both True. an SUV yeah. and a truck. So you're you're absolutely right, Bruce. There's going to be major manufacturers stepping in here as well as these kind of new startups. So it, it, the truck EV world will be the thing to watch over the next uh, six to 24
0: months. So, well, Carl, we know that um, you're, you have a, a busy schedule today, but... We want to thank you for taking the time and want to remind people to visit lowercase i and then the word c s e e cars.com iccars.com. Our guest has been executive analyst Carl Brower. Um, obviously has a lot of knowledge about a lot of things. So uh, to our listeners, please visit the site. And uh, it, if you're into statistics, you're just going to have a field day looking at all the stuff. And, of course, they have many other features as well. So, Carl, thanks again. Uh, And thanks. uh, Please say hello to Julie when you're in contact. She's our favorite. And uh, we we appreciate you uh, being our guest today. Thanks a bunch. Thank you, Carl. It
1: was great being on with you guys. Uh, Julie's the best. So I'm glad uh, she was able to set us up like this today to have some conversation. And, uh, yeah, going forward, if you guys want to talk about cars at any time and car statistics, uh, please let us know.
0: Thank you. We appreciate that. We're going to take you up on that. Enjoy the rest of the day. Thanks again. Cheers. Bye-bye.
1: You guys, too. Take care. Bye-bye.